0: Exodus chapter twelve, starting at verse one, and just kind of give you a little bit of background on the passage uh, here. We we've uh, <laughs> if you look through uh, the book of Exodus, uh, quite a bit has happened up to chapter twelve. Uh, Moses has been called by the burning bush, and not only has he been called by the burning bush, he's uh, he's uh, <laughs> think, think about how weird that would be. You're out in the field with your with your flock, and and all of a sudden you hear a bush, you see a bush that's burning but it's not burning and you think what in the world is happening and then you get up close to it and it starts calling your name I, I'd, I'd be a little concerned in there wouldn't it and so uh he's getting, he's called from the burning bush and then he's told to go back into the very same place that he was ran out of. Remember, he, he was going to be killed. I mean, that, that's really what was going to happen. There was going to be an execution of Moses uh, if he went back to Egypt. And so the Lord tells him to go back to the very same place that he was fleeing from. And uh, so he, he goes and uh, he makes all these excuses of why he is not the one. How many of us can relate to that? That sometimes, uh, sometimes we're we're saying, "Well, Lord, so and so would do a whole lot better with this than what you've called me to do. Won't you call them to do it instead?" Or, or Lord, you know what? Um, I I I think you got the wrong person. Do you know me? Isn't that something, Lord? Do you know me? Um, and then and then uh, he after all these excuses that he makes, he goes and and the Lord finally finally says, uh, basically, "You're the one I've called you, and now go and do it." And so uh gives him a a partner in that. Uh Aaron. Uh now now get this. Not only does God call Moses, he would have called Aaron as well. So there is a there is something going on in the background in the life of Aaron. Before Moses ever meets up with him, the Lord is already speaking into his life. And so uh they, they meet up. Aaron's gonna be the mouthpiece, so to say. Moses is going to say uh something and then Aaron's going to proclaim it to the people and and the reason for that is because Moses had a, a kind of a stuttering problem now I did not realize how much I stutter until I went back and listened to a sermon a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, Wow, Lord's just gonna have to smooth that over, hopefully you don't hear that but i I tell you what it just it, it uh it it kind of it's aggravating if you have a stutter problem and you realize that you have a stutter problem and you can't get it out. So here's Moses, the Lord provides for that. And then, and then uh, they go into Pharaoh who uh, really could have uh, killed them right then and there and said, the Lord says, let his people go. And, and Pharaoh, who's basically using the Israelites as, as his workforce, and, and they're the ones that are responsible for, for building bricks and, and taking care of the, the Egyptian household, and, and they're, the, they're, they're basically the slave laborers for, for the Egyptian community. And um, so he, he's, uh, in his mind, he's thinking, why would I let these people who are responsible for all this work that I'm having done go? I don't have to risk my own people i don't have to i don't have to um uh, we don't have to put any kind of effort in because the slaves can do it and uh so he he says no and we see a series of of 10 different plagues that happen uh as a result of pharaoh's hardness and uh pharaoh's uh unwillingness to to um, let let the lord's people go and that kind of brings us to this point right before the last plague and I really do love this this kind of this image of Passover. We're going to talk about Passover this morning. And and it's nowhere near Passover, but we're going to talk about Passover. And and one one of the things that we have to remember here is that they were getting ready because they had seen the work of God in the in the previous plagues. They knew that God could control the, the locusts. They knew that He could control the water. He could control the wind. He could control uh, people's bodies, the boils that came up. He, they knew His power here. And so when Moses told them the instructions here in a minute, uh, this this is going to be the last plague, but this is what you need to do to protect yourself so that you are not one to be affected by it. And I imagine they listened very, very closely, knowing that the power of the Lord would come about and take care of things. So if you would stand with me this morning for the reading of the Word, Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, "'This month is to be uh, for you the first month, the first month of your year. "'Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, "'each man is to take a lamb for his family.' one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share with one, nearest, uh, one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. If you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance to what each person will eat, uh, the animals you choose must be a year-old males without defect, and you must take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, When all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the doorposts of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, the legs, and the internal organs. Do not leave any of it uh, until morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, uh, your uh, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn, both uh, people and animals, and I will bring judgment to all all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. A lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat the bread made without yeast, and on the first day remove the yeast from your house. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it, from the first day through the seventh day, must be cut off from Israel." On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do not work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of the unleavened bread, because it was this very day that I brought, you, I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as the lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you were to eat bread made without yeast from evening Of the fourteenth day into the evening of the twenty-first day, for seven days no yeast is to be found in your house, and anyone, whether native or, or or foreigner, who eats anything with yeast must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Did we get that this morning? Eat nothing made with yeast. He was pretty. He was pretty straightforward on that there. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, "'Go at once and select animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. "'Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood in the basin "'and put some on the top and both sides of the door frame. "'None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. "'When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, "'he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, "'and he will pass over that doorway.' When the people bowed down in worship, then the people bowed down in worship, the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And at midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was a loud wailing in Egypt. For there was not a house without someone dead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we briefly apply it. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say. And when it's time to be quiet, Lord, I pray that you would help me be quiet. I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, passage this morning um, there, there's uh, several things that I want to talk about here is I often think that that when when the we talk about Passover if you've ever been to a Passover meal you know how deli- uh, delicate every single piece of the of the ceremony is all the way from the taking of the salt and and and, and throwing it off to the the taking of the bitter herb and and the uh, We did a Passover Seder one time when we were in college. We went and did a Passover Seder. And uh, um, we had this uh, guy who uh, made his own bitter herbs. uh, And uh, he used some kind of uh, horseradish sauce with big old chunks of horseradish. And in order to save juice, we didn't do wine. There's four glasses of wine throughout the process. But we didn't do wine. We did these little bitty glasses of grape juice. And it was spread all throughout the ceremony, and so here I am. Never been to a Passover meal before. And you take the bitter herb, and you would take some of that that um, uh, um, horseradish concoction that was made, and you would eat it. And so, at first, uh, I missed the warning when he said, "Just take a little bit." I took a big old a big old piece of it, and my mouth burned. That that juice would not would not uh, cut it. Uh, for for calming things down, so I had to wait until later on in the ceremony to to take another um, drink of the of the juice and and but every little single thing is a reminder of how God brought them through. Uh, when they used the bitter herbs, when when it talked about eating with the bitter herbs, what, what does that mean for the people? What the God heard their bitterness, their tears. Uh, he heard he heard their cries, and he answered. Um, one of the things that we we, we find uh, is, that, is that over and over again, through, throughout this, is that is that God is demonstrating His love for His people. And you think, well, how how is He demonstrating His love for His people? He's showing His character here. He's showing He's showing that He loves them so much that He's providing a way for them out of Egypt. Just like he provides a way for us out of sin through Jesus. Several observations this morning. The first observations is this, first observation is this: is that God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God of new beginnings. Verse two says, "This month shall be for you the beginning of months." Now you think you think from uh, prior to this, what calendar system did they run off of? Egyptian calendar system they were in Egypt they were controlled by the Egyptians the the, the time uh, what whose time did they run off of they ran off the Egyptians time whose whose currency did they use? They use the Egyptians' currency. Uh, so so uh, God is saying here to them that uh, I'm delivering you. And from this point forward, know that it is a new day for you. Not only do you get a new time, you become a, a, a new people, you, you get freedom here. Uh, but um, it, it's kind of this uh, God letting them know that, that their time is starting over. Their statuses of slaves were changed from, uh, to being people that are free, living in freedom. Their, their sense of time changed. They were no under, longer under the time of their oppressors. They were no longer made to work according to the desires of the Egyptians for the purposes and the plans of the Egyptians here. They were no longer people that were considered property of the, of the Egyptians. Uh, what, what, what God does is when He, when he says... This month shall be a month of beginnings for you. What he's doing is he's laying claim to his people once again to let them know that you're mine. You're mine here. We're, we're starting something new. There's, there's a new beginning that's happening. Uh, uh, you, will, you will look back to this day and you will remember it for your whole history what I've done for you and who you are to me and who I am to you. Passover is still celebrated by Jewish people and Christians. Why do we celebrate the Passover? We celebrate the Passover because I really do believe that the story of the Passover is a foreshadowing of Jesus. That... That God provides a, 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 something for His people. That that God has stepped in when there was hopelessness. That God is looked at the blood and said, "Death will not come to these people." For us today, when we say that, we can still say that God is the God of new beginnings. I um, I have a friend that pastored a church, and their their mission statement at the church was, "We exist to see people start out and start over with Jesus." Absolutely love their mission statement. We exist to pe- see people start out and start all over with Jesus. It's a new beginning. It's, it's, something, it's something to say that, that we're leaving behind this, this, this life that we've had before. We're leaving behind the oppression. We're leaving behind the sin. We're leaving behind the, the, the trauma that we dealt with. And we're moving forward with what God has planned for us because He is the God of new beginnings. We're no longer uh, people that serve our own desires and, our, uh, and the desires of others, but we're people that are, are free and living out the plans and the purposes of God. The second observation this morning is this is that we can say the blood of Jesus has brought about life. There's significance here in the hyssop. Because in the hyssop that's dipped into the basin of blood that's smeared on the doorposts. There, there, there's something that's interesting there. Remember what is on the doorpost of the of the of the people of Israel? What is on the doorpost? The streamer. The the the, the, the uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength. That's on their doorpost. I, it's always been tempting to put that, write that on the doorpost everywhere we've been, but we've always rented everywhere, and uh, I'm pretty sure that that would have been a deposit taken away there. But I, I've always I've always thought about that. Uh, so here they are. Think about what's on the doorpost. And what are they doing to the doorpost? They're painting the blood on the doorpost. Here's another interesting thing. Hyssop is a symbol of cleansing. They would use hyssop to cleanse things. Um, when it talks about, um, uh, he shall wash as white as snow, it's hyssop. That's usually talked about there. Um And so this blood is is thought to be an atoning uh, blood. It's thought to be something that's going to save them. It's a symbol and a sign. Uh, uh, that that when the the spirit of death goes through that when they see the blood uh, uh spirit of death passes over them because the blood has been applied to the outside of their doorpost now here's the interesting thing for us is that is that i think about, that the blood of jesus today kind of kind of looks similar to that uh, that that uh, it, it's not uh, the, the lamb that we've gone out and we've slaughtered ourselves, but He became the lamb Himself. It's His blood that provided the sacrifice. Uh, but but here's the thing: uh, His blood is the atonement for our sins. Um, Ephesians one seven says, "In Him we have redemption." Uh, through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance to the riches of God. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Revelation twelve eleven says, They triumph over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. Now, now Revelation 12, what does that talk about there? That when death comes, trials come, they don't shrink away. But they know that they are uh, that, that they will triumph over evil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I always always think that it's interesting. Why do we do testimony times? I had somebody ask me that one time uh, that that visited a a, a pastor that had visited or somebody had heard us on uh, a recording or something that we had done with a live stream one time and 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 they had messaged me and asked. They said, uh, why do you do testimony times? That's something that we don't do too much anymore in the church. And I often think that, that it's important that we share our testimony because uh, it, it's, a, it's, an, it's a witness for what God has done for us and what God can do in other people as well. Romans 5.9 says, Since we have been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him. How much more then will the blood of Christ through uh, the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences uh, from acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God. And then we're told in Hebrews 13 that Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through His own blood. So I think I think today that when we when we often, when we ask for forgiveness that that what happens is there's a similar uh, purification process there's a similar cleansing process that happens that that it's no longer the the, the blood of the the lamb that was slaughtered by these uh, Israelites in celebration but but it was the blood of the lamb it's not our sacrifice but it's a free gift and and what he's done is he said he said here's my blood that covers a multitude of sin and And and, uh, if you ask for it and you really want it and you accept it, you can use it. And what happens even today with the blood of Jesus applied? The spirit of death passes over. Think about that. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus he who believes in me even though he dies will live there's something about the blood of Jesus that cleanses us Just as the blood of the Lamb was sprinkled on the doorpost, the blood of the Lamb of Jesus has made atonement for our sin. And just as the blood of the Lamb was a sign that death was to pass over the home, the blood of Jesus is a sign that death does not hold us. That death uh, does not have a claim on us. Because of the blood of Jesus. We used to sing this hymn, They are covered by the blood. They are covered by the blood. My sins are all covered by the blood. My iniquities so vast have been blotted out at last. My sins are all covered by the blood. Think about the theology in that. Hmm. It's the blood of Jesus that has brought about life. Another observation that we can take from the passage this morning is this, is that when we are obedient to what God has told us to do, we see His power and His mightiness in our life. Verse 28, Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. You know, obedience has consequences to it. I can obey the Lord... And I can, I can receive the blessings that come from that. Or I can obey my own desires and I can obey others. And I can deal with the consequences of being disobedient. Anything less than 100% obedience to the Lord is sin. Someone asked one time, they said, Well, what if I'm 98% obedient? That means that you're one hundred percent disobedient. It requires full obedience. And and I often think that, that what we find is that when we're not obedient to the calling and the purposes and the plans of the Lord, that we miss out on His blessings, and we miss out on His plans and His purposes, and we miss out on on what he, what He wants to do in our lives, in our communities. And, and here's the thing, I think that obedience is so important that the consequences are, are extravagant for, for those that, that are not obedient. I think there's generational consequences. I can't tell you how many times that I've... I, I do some church consulting on the side and I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've, I've talked with churches and church boards and, and, and they said, well, we really think the Lord called us to do this and such and such and we decided not to do it. And here we are 50, 60 years down the road and a lot of these churches are struggling to make it because they were not obedient to the leading and the calling and the plans of the Lord years ago. It has generational effects. And, and one thing that I found is that, is that blind obedience is sometimes better. Amen? Blind obedience, just stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I'll be obedient. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't even know what the plan is, Lord, but I'm going to be obedient to whatever you call us to do. And what I think that he does is he blesses that. And I think that he takes us down a road that's a lot better than what we were going down in the first place. When we are obedient to what God has called us to do and what he's told us to do, we see his power... And we see His mightiness in our lives. Here's the good thing though. That even with disobedience. We've talked about the blood of the Lamb. Even with disobedience. We, we, we can come before Him. And we can say Lord. We want to be obedient from here on forward. Please forgive us. It's that atonement that takes place. This morning, I think He's calling us to be obedient. I think He's calling us to remember that uh, He has bought us with a price, and that has been His blood. And He's bought us with a purpose, and He's bought us with a plan. And, and that's His plans, and that's His purposes. And, and, I, and I think that this morning, uh, what, what we have to be reminded is, is that not only does He give plans and purposes, but He gives new life, and He gives new beginning. And he does it all through his blood for those who are obedient.